On this week's full-time roundup, the Premier League has a new leader at the top. Madrid continue to apply the pressure to Girona. Bayern squeak by and Inter and Juve share the spoils. All this plus so much more. Full-time roundup starts right now. And welcome into the latest edition of the Full-Time Roundup. I am Matt Gesselin, of course, joined as always by Daniel Brackett. Daniel, great to have you back. Uh, I know that you are back from travels throughout the North Carolinas. We'll get to that in a second. Of course, you're always going somewhere, so this should not be anything new to everybody else. But uh sounded like a great time. Uh, I know there was a stop in Asheville in the mountains, then all the way to the other side of the state. So you covered it all this weekend, my friend. But also, hopefully, you had a great Thanksgiving and got some great, some good food in you, some good beer in your belly. Uh, were you, you know, what was the highlight of the weekend other than the games, which we'll get to as well? But first, the highlights of of Thanksgiving. Um, I have a few highlights. Good to see you, Matt. Um, after a long hiatus here, um, but Asheville got to check out the Biltmore and do the actual tour and the wine tasting. So that was that was really cool learning about some North Carolina history there, and then. Um, was able to see my family for a quick 24 hours in Raleigh after that. So I'm back in Charlotte now, did three cities in, in North Carolina in, in three days. So it's been a whirlwind of a Thanksgiving, but uh, I'm happy to be here talking some footy with you. Again, whirlwind, like you said, I'm um, just hearing that my brain got scrabbled a little bit, but uh, I'm sure it was great to see some folks and, and get some good food in you. And, and of course, Daniel, not only that, but we came right out of the gate with your Liverpool early kick against Manchester City on Saturday to, to start us off in what seemed like an early wake-up, but one that we were more than willing to get up for, and it did not disappoint. Yeah, it was great. I woke up at 7.25 without an alarm on the on the dot. My body knew what was about to happen and got to, got to watch the game in its entirety before I left for Asheville, so I was very thankful for that. And it was a uh, it was cagey for sure, and teams were filling each other out. And with these city Liverpool matchups, it's always capitalized off individual errors because they just play so such good football, both of them. That it it takes a lot to kind of break both these defenses down. Um, so you know, City scored off an Allison slip. Nothing really can do much there, and they they scored off that, and then we were able to kind of counter with the Trent goal in the second half so i wouldn't say neither team it was points lost um i think it draws a fair result for both um i mean i would like to hear your opinion because i am a liverpool fan here but yeah there's no uh, bias in that argument whatsoever so we'll we'll take that for for what it's worth i thought it was a great match i think you're looking at two two of the best managers in the world uh playing chess uh, to be quite honest, and, and the way that the teams were set up and you could hear it kind of in in the pre-game press conferences you know Subtly, uh, Pep Guardiola discussing Trent Alexander-Arnold without really saying what he was going to do against him on that side, but you kind of knew everyone thought Jeremy Doku would go up against him, and, and he sure did. And and he kind of gave you know Trent all he could handle defensively. Of course, you mentioned the goal from Allison or the the goal that kind of came from Allison's slip, but then at, at the same time, Trent you know really didn't put much defensive um, thought into into. Ake on that on that move, he gets by him pretty easily, and then he finds Holland, who splits the center backs and and puts him in the back of the net. And then, of course, like you said, um, Trent redeems himself with it with a world class finish there in the second half to to get the one one. A great match uh, back and forth for me it was 
what I expected. Um, almost texted you that this looks like a two-one game. Uh, almost got it to be honest, and and you felt like City was still coming. Uh, they they were you know they were strong all the way through from start to finish. Obviously had more possession of the ball, and, and you you know I texted you at one point. You guys have been lucky, but you're also still kind of giving them a go. And um, I think that was a testament to what Klopp can do and how he sets up his teams. And and like you said, one-one is not the end of the world for either team. And um, you know one thing I think we haven't really discussed enough of Daniel from a Manchester City's perspective. And, and of course, they do get jumped from Arsenal, who, who beat Brentford late um, off a, a Kai Havertz goal in the 89th minute. But, um, you know, I think one of the things that we're all forgetting about here is that Manchester City has been doing what they've been doing, not only coming off a of treble last season, which is very difficult, and, and to be at the top of the table again is, is remarkable, but they're also doing this without their best player. Um, and I think that's you know something that we all need to keep in mind as we look at these this team and and how it's a very competitive game against Liverpool and against Arsenal and all these other teams. And then you know there's one guy that we all forget about that when he comes back in the second half of the season, uh, will that be the same thing? Of course, we're talking about Kevin De Bruyne who seems to be getting closer but is not in the lineup yet. And so that's my takeaway from this is that it was a good opportunity for Liverpool to get three points, um, but uh, you know they still kind of. They still wanted it to be close, and um, you know, it'll be interesting to see what happens in the second half of the season. But these are the these are the two teams for me, along with Arsenal, that are going to go the whole way, and I think Liverpool are here to stay. Absolutely, and and we always, there's always the argument, the Kevin De Bruyne argument, um, getting over a hamstring injury, being now in your 30s, that is somewhat concerning. If you're a City fan, is he going to be the same Kevin that we all know? Um, but I mean, just from the quality that he has, I, I think he will come and be, if not a shell of himself, you know, a decent, a decent player. Um, now, I also was looking at Liverpool's fixtures, and we've actually had a, a bunch of tough matchups away from home, and a lot of these big, you know, top six matchups are going to be reverse fixture at Anfield coming, you know, in the near future, if not later in the rest of the season, and. If I, I'm pretty optimistic um, that we were able to survive still being, you know, in that top three, couple of points back. And I think Klopp is is definitely pretty happy with how the season's gone so far. Yeah, I think after, especially after last season with everyone talking about the midfield and of course the talent you guys up front and how, you know, that def that defense, how would that kind of cope with things? And um, of course, you've been out without Kunate for a while now as well and, and things like that in the back that are really going to help and take shape. So really not, you know, not surprising. I think Liverpool last season had a, a down year for whatever reason. They just couldn't get that momentum or that energy going and, and you know, down, we say down, they finished fifth. Um, you know, we're not talking about Chelsea or, or some other squads here that down is bottom of the table. So, uh, you know, I think take that in perspective too, but yeah, I think you guys will be right there. And of course now sitting in third with, with the, the, the points split against city and Arsenal jumping. And then, you know, right behind them, Daniel is a really good battle here. Uh, we saw, you know, today on Sunday, uh, Villa take on a, a Spurs team. That's a little bit beat up. Uh, you know, some some injuries that are taking place. And of course, Villa is a very, very strong squad with, you know, Unai Emery knowing exactly what to do. And um, they they take the points at White Hart Lane or Tottenham Stadium, whatever they're calling it now, and uh, and and jump, jump Spurs. Um, Villa now sitting fourth. What were your thoughts on this one? Of course, you know, Ange Ball continues to be what it is. And, and I think there's a little bit of some of that that's playing into some of these results. I think uh, you know he's got to take some adjustments, in my opinion. We can get into that. But um, what were your what were your takeaways from this one? An exciting match. You know, this, 
couldn't I could not get away to get the errands I had to get done this morning because the commentators kept getting you know excited and I turned around and more action was going every minute I looked at this one. Yeah, and this was a great match to have almost at a standalone on a Sunday. Um, I thought Spurs, like for their credit, without some of their key players, still played a great game. Um, some of those new signings, like Brennan Johnson, was was pretty lively. Um, but I mean, Villa gonna give myself a pat on the back here. I did say they'd finish fourth, and they're kind of making me look look good here because. Um, they are not injured and they are looking very, very good. And they're, they're a fortress at home. So you usually will give them the result or at least a draw at home, but it's the away games that they sometimes struggle in and, and getting uh, a W at the white heart lane um, is, is a big deal. Yeah. This one was not for the faint of defenses. Of course, both teams playing that high line and, and you saw a lot of runners in behind and um, Ollie Watkins looked good. He had a couple opportunities. I think this could have been two, two inside the first six Easy. minutes honestly. Yeah. And so this was a back and forth crazy one. Like I said, you know, from my perspective, I think Ange needs to take a little bit of a, of a, um, a moment like we've been talking about with Vincent company and, and what he's happened to, to adjust within Burnley. I think as much as I respect Ange and, and Ange ball and what he wants to do, it's, it's not always going to work in the premier league. You're going to find, especially those second go arounds or teams start to have some video on how he plays and, and find those teams and how to break that down. There was also one moment here, Daniel, that, it just screamed that they needed Harry Kane and that they're missing yeah. him. Um, they were, it was one, one Kulisewski makes a great one, two with, with son and puts the ball back post and, and Brandon Johnson slow to react. And, and it goes right by him out for a corner or almost, I think a goal kick maybe. And, uh, and, and, you know, just in my head, I'm thinking Harry Kane's on the back post there and that's in the net no matter what. And it would have been two, one in a completely different game. And then of course, uh, they'll go down and score and, and take the lead and then add a, a third. Um, so it was just a crazy back and forth game here. But uh, Villa Real or, or Villa Real, Villa, Aston Villa um, are, are, of course, thinking about Unai Emery coming from the su yellow submarine there. Uh, Villa, Real, v Villa, Aston Villa are legit, um, to your point. And uh, fourth place is not outside the realm of possibility. They've, they've looked good all season. Um, they have, you know, Newcastle who's sitting right behind them and then Manchester United who, again, um, get get the job done um, today against Everton. That place was raucous, Daniel. But that battle for you know four through seven um, with Spurs, Aston Villa, Newcastle, and United is really heating up. I think and, and going to be an exciting finish or exciting watch towards the end of the season. And I can't wait for it. Cannot wait for it. Um, especially with this, you, you mentioned the Man United fixture today against the. Everton's first match with with the point deductions here and they they didn't have a I didn't think they played bad obviously Ashley Young gives up a, a penalty and then you get conceded off an absolute wonder goal um by Garnacha I mean that that might be the best might be goal of the year been. might be the I mean, goal it, of the year it, it definitely will be I think um I would say that is almost almost as good as Ibra's bike uh, for Sweden, I, I thought it was that good. I mean, from how far the ball swinging away, the all the variables in that goal, and then he hits it absolutely across to the back post, upper ninety. It doesn't get much better than that. Yeah, it was a fantastic, fantastic finish inside the first five minutes, and completely changed the first, you know, first twenty minutes of this fixture. I thought, you know, again, Manchester United continued to just do enough to get the W, and then of course, like you said. Ashley Young makes a, a boneheaded decision and, and gives 
you know, uh, Marcus Rashford a PK to make it two nil. And from there kind of, you kind of turn on the afterburners and, and, and run away. But I thought Manchester United gave a lot of chances, Daniel. I thought Everton who continue again, week in, week out to create opportunities, but don't put them in the back of the net. For me, if I'm a United fan, I think, and that's pretty glaring for most, most United fans is that defensively they're still, and even in, in the midfield, that transition from the midfield into the forward attacking third, you know, that transition towards the back is where Manchester United are going to get eaten alive or, or, you know, continue to make, make some hay. And I think you saw today, you know, again, lanes just wide open, Everton finding balls in and out, you know, saves off the post and, and, and goal line stands. And it just was a, you know, not Everton's day, but I think if you're a Manchester United fan, you're more concerned about what's, what was available. And I think I know why, because they, they obviously don't have Casemiro right now. Um, shout out Kobe Mainu. He looked fantastic. He looked great. He looked One great. of the best players on the pitch. Maybe they found a, a defensive mid who can kind of slot in in Casemiro's absence and then slowly take over the role. But you started McTominay, Mainu, and, and Bruno Fernandez, and none of those players are a six. They're all eights and tens in their own right. And... I saw several times, especially on one where they committed five, seven players forward and they lost the ball and there was no one, not a single midfielder that decided to hold and protect the defense. And that seemed like a, a reoccurring theme. So Ten Hag's just got to drill into his men, especially without Casemiro, the veteran um, in on the pitch. Hey, one of you has to stay home and, and protect us because if they commit too many men forward, it's going to be very easy and on another day, Everton's going to get a goal, and a better team than Everton's definitely going to capitalize on that. Now, oh, sorry, were you going to no, say? I was going to say exactly, exactly what you were saying, and and you know we said it. You said at the end there, a better team is going to is going to take that advantage. We saw that against you know City, who who put in you know three in the back of the net, and I think that's exactly to your point, exactly right. You know they need to have someone that can kind of be sitting a little bit deeper. Of course, Scott McTominay, who had started the season kind of being more defensive minded, but has, has been putting the ball in the net, not only for Scotland, but for United as well, it seems to be more offensive minded all of a sudden. So I think they have to just kind of level set and, and understand who they are and what they can do. But yeah, I think if they, if they push forward that midfield and they leave themselves exposed in the back, you know, Lindelof and Maguire, just not strong enough to be able to, to take on top tier strikers. You know, if they go up against an Ollie Watkins, I think Ollie Watkins has a field day against them or, you know, things like that. So or Alexander Isak against Newcastle who scored again um, against Chelsea on, on Saturday. So yeah, it's an interesting time, but I think they, you know, as we've said all along, all they do is continue to win. Um, they, they keep getting points. I think they've gotten 12 out of 15 possible points now um, in the last five matches. So with that loss coming from City, so, you know, just continue to chug along. And and there's talk of maybe top four now. And, you know, of course, this team was so much the 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 Debbie Downer spot. or the, the black sheep and everyone saying how poor they are and that they can't get things done. And yet here they are continuing to churn out W after W. And um, it's an interesting time in Manchester. Of course, I alluded Daniel quickly to a team that also won um, and, and had a goal scorer in Alexander Isak with Newcastle winning uh, at home against Chelsea 4-1 on Saturday. Uh, pretty poor performance from the Blues, uh, to be honest. And, uh, you know, an, an opportunity, I think, for, for Poach to come out and, and really berate the team as he did in, in post-game pre press conference. Of course, he was not on the sideline uh, serving a match suspension for three yellow cards as a manager. Um, and you saw some of that come out on the field 
um, with some lack of discipline as well. You know, Reese James picking up a very silly yellow card for for kicking the ball away for time wasting, which has been a point of emphasis. And then he knew that was going to come back to haunt Chelsea. And of course, he gets the second yellow and, and kind of changes the match at. at 2-1, you know, you're looking kind of, okay, this is still not really where we want it to be, but you have an opportunity here. And then that yeah, that red card, uh, you know, makes it makes it almost impossible. And then right after that, you know, Tiago Silva makes a boneheaded play and then, uh, you know, 3-1 is, is all of a sudden game over at that point. So um, all in all, really, really poor performance from Chelsea. Um, just to put it lightly, I don't think that that's, you know, I think Chelsea got a little bit ahead of themselves after 4-4 against City. Granted, couldn't have come at a worse time for the break um, after that momentum going, you know, not only from that game, but previous games. And then you have to take a, a two-week period where, you know, you're, you're not playing and, and continuing to build. And and this will be a, a building opportunity, but one that um, I think was expected. Anyone that turned around after 4-4 against City and thought Chelsea was going to be top four was a little bit out of their mind. And they got a wake-up call versus a good Newcastle team who's still banged up and, and fighting for top four. Yeah, I think you... You were pretty spot on and all that. Um, I was able, only able to watch the highlights, but uh, don't don't beat yourself, especially with the stupid yellows and especially when they accumulate for suspension. So, Bruce James got it as a veteran in that locker room, and he's the captain as well. I'm pretty sure um, he's got to kind of take a look in the mirror here. But I I, I did see Chelsea fans calling for Poch, um, and I I don't agree with that. Um, you got a, a huge rebuild, and we've seen two managers who teams have struggled early on, Manchester United and Chelsea, and they both have kind of ride the ship. Some of these results are going to happen, but as long as you're trending in the right direction, I think that's all that matters. I, I still don't think that top four Champions League football is going to happen this year. Maybe slide into seventh, but that's even kind of really – you're really pushing it there. So I, I, I think your, your um, summation of the game is pretty spot on. Yeah, still a project. I think people need to realize that too. And you're going to have ups and downs, a young squad. Um, so again, an opportunity here for, for Poach to go in and, and really, you know, lay the hammer and tell these kids that, and, and of course, Reese and, and, you know, the veterans as well, part of that to say that this, you know, this is on us, not a good enough. We need to play better and, and just, you know, look forward to it. Uh, of course, we mentioned uh, a Newcastle win. Um, Daniel, so they, they, you know, they, they get a nice little bounce after really banged up squad. I think this was kind of their, if we're being honest, their, their B minus squad with everyone who was hurt. Um, they have three goalkeepers on the bench. Uh, thoughts on what Eddie Howe is doing now? Of course, they go into, you know, champions, a huge midweek champions league fixture, um, that could ultimately decide if they advance out of the group stage and, and boy, that they, they needed this four one so they could rest some guys and get the, the starters in for Wednesday. Yeah, getting Isak and, and Miguel Amaron back after international break was probably the key to this match and the rest of the fixtures coming up because um, they both were out injured and they kind of dropped a few results before the break because yeah. of that. Um, so, you know, when, you, when you're losing and then you got some, some new signings kind of back into place and they kind of hit the ground running, that's, that's really good. Um, and I'm sure that Eddie Howe is – they didn't even probably celebrate in the locker room because they have business to handle on Tuesday. And that's the main focus next match. Who cares about this match? It already happens in the past and let's focus on champions league ahead and we'll see if they can get it done in their, in their first year and our first time in champions league for, for forever. Um, but to kind of rotate into another league, we have the Bundesliga up next Bayern top of the table. 
Well, no, actually, is Leverkusen? Leverkusen still Leverkusen. The Okay, we'll hit Leverkusen first. They, like always, from you know this season, turn out another result. I swear they've won every single game three three nil. Um, they've made a really good habit about keeping those clean sheets. Um, but I mean, I thought Vader Bremen would would put up a little bit more of a fight than they did. But when you have your outside backs like Frimpong and Grimaldo just scoring just unbelievable goals week in week out. Um, it really is unbelievable. And in Grimaldo, there was a stat on on the the broadcast saying, "There." I mean, I know you don't love the stats, but it was uh, highest efficiency. And oh, here we go. Get out of here! Out, with this. He's outperformed his goal uh, efficiency by like five or six now, which just shows the insane type of goals he's scoring. He's not just hitting tap-ins; he's hitting worldies. Um, so I, d- I did want to mention that. Shavi ball. It's always lovely. Shabby ball is lovely. You mentioned I, I'm, I'm, I am a fan of stats, just not certain stats. That's one of those stats I could care less about. Yeah, but, yeah. But again, the guy is putting in goal after goal from a, you know the wing back position, which is phenomenal and, and can almost carrying this team um, in some points because the goals he's scoring are just so important in the in the context of the match. If you're watching them, yeah. also I think another big statement um, from this match, Daniel, that may not may not get you know talked about too much though, is that. Bayern Munich went first. They played on Friday and they got the W. And of course, what we talked about with PSG and, and Nice and Monaco, that pressure that continues to kind of mount on some of these lesser teams. Not the Bayern Leverkusen are lesser team, but when you're when you're trying to knock off the champions, you know, that pressure that they continue to add week after week. And again, you know, that's a big deal. You sleep overnight that you know you know going into the next day you have to win to stay above Bayern Munich in the table. And and to do that and put in a performance like they did is, is super impressive. Um and, and you know, just like we said, this is gonna be a battle. I think it's officially time to say this is a two-horse race um in this in this league. And I think you know, Dortmund getting the, the win and, and staying, you know, within touching distance and in, in fourth, um, Stuttgart staying in that top four position as well in third, but but really, this is going to be down to Bayern and and Bayer, um, and it's going to be week in week out. You go first. Let's counter. Let's see what happens. You know, on Fridays and, and Saturday games and Sunday games. Uh, but that's going to be really what it boils down to is is who can who can handle the pressure uh, when the other team goes first and, and puts that maximum that maximum effort out there and gets the points. So, um, what else can we say at this point? You know, Xavi Ball is legit and uh, and. We've we've been hearing rumors, and I'm not saying we're reporting anything on this. We've been hearing rumors that he was, of course, a lock-in for Real Madrid, but now there's talk maybe he goes to Bayern next year. So, um, just something to keep an eye on. And of course, he's he's one of the most um, sought-after managers in world football, and you can see why week in after week after week with this Bayer Leverkusen team. Yeah, I did actually see that report. I was pretty surprised because I thought he, you know, would go to Madrid a thousand percent no second thoughts about it but this is a this is a not a desperate move for Bayern but Bayern knows that they they are a good team and but they're not the team they used to be when it can't when it comes to recruitment and we've seen that kind of unfold in the last five years and you got players like Alfonso Davies not signing contracts because he wants to go play for a, and be a Galactico if you and and Tuchel's not a great man manager and they want to love their coach right um so this would solve a lot of things for Bayern, and they would also play a very attractive brand of football. Um, so it makes a lot of sense 
for Bayern to go after a manager. Usually it's just them stealing players from other teams, but stealing a manager like they did with Nagelsmann, uh, with Leipzig, and and they've done it before. So don't don't count uh, Bayern out with this, but I don't I just don't see them paying the transfer fee that will require for the coach because they already did that with Nagelsmann and it didn't really work out. Um, but to kind of go and touch on on Bayern, they they win pretty pretty. Not convincingly, I'll say. Um, only a one nil win against Cohn, who's not doing so hot in the table. And yes, they did outshoot their opponents and they did dominate the match, but Harry Kane got the only goal of the game. But you'd like to see a more of a convincing result for Bayern. You would, but at the same time, it's you know the first game on a Friday, of course, um, which is even harder than you know the international break and some of these other managers we've heard complaining about. So um, credit to them. Now they get the extra days to rest ahead of the Champions League fixtures. So, you know, I think the league is looking out for them in that sense. But, you know, you get Harry Kane for what you get Harry Kane for, to put the ball in the back of the net. And boy, did he do that. And of course, he, you know, gave other opportunities in the, throughout this match. But yeah, not a really um, convincing result. But sometimes you need to to win those types of matches too in, in, you know, in a title run or when you win the league. So um, I wouldn't take too much out of it. Of course, you know, Champions League, although Bayern already threw, but, the, you know, they want to put a good performance in on Wednesday um, against Copenhagen and kind of, you know, turn the tide there after the performance they had in Copenhagen in that first leg. Uh, and then, you know, again, you just, you're kind of just looking through this. Let's get through it. Um, first, first, you know, Alfonso Davies was not playing in this one after coming back off a flight on Thursday. So, you know, there's a lot of things that played into it. I wouldn't, like I said, I wouldn't look too much into this, but, um, you know, it, it is what it was and they got three points and they move on. And, and you mentioned, you know, their tendency of stealing players or, or kind of, you know, taking, taking from within the German Bundesliga and, and kind of building their own squad without really much concern for others. Someone who's gone through that himself directly is Marco Rosa, um, Daniel at, at Leipzig, of course, now managing there after stints at, uh, at, at Dortmund and, and, and Mucha Gladbach. And now of course at Leipzig and, and they, unexpectedly drop points to Wolfsburg, Daniel. Um, this was a surprise to me. I know you've been kind of, you know, high on Wolfsburg throughout the year, but even, I don't think you would have seen this coming, would you? No, not not per se, because Wolfsburg are excellent against inferior opponents, but when they when they play the big match, they, they tend to kind of shit their pants a little bit. Um, but overall records between Rosa and Kovac. Kovac kind of owns Rosa, and it was on full display on, on Saturday as they defeat Leipzig 2-1, and we already had this conversation, so we'll give ourselves a pat on the back, but uh, we I think we both can agree that Rosa might not be the guy. He's always going to get you top four, top five, but if you really want to compete and knock Bayern off their perch, he is not the manager that you want and it'll be interesting to see what the the red bull group does they you know promote internally or they go get another manager or they just keep him and are just happy with the development that he's done of you know the young players because that's what they kind of do they turn out young players for profits um even though their best young player is on loan with shavi simmons and yusuf polston starts over um what's his name can't believe i'm blinking on the striker's name please help me Benjamin Sesco. Benjamin Sesco. Thank you. It's been a long weekend, folks. But uh, the kind of oh, did you have any thoughts on this one? No, I was going to say that just kind of piggybacking off that. You know, I think 
Um, you mentioned Kovac and, and of course what, you know, Rose has tried to do one, of course, everyone's goal is, especially the German managers to manage at you know, at Bayern and, uh, Kovac has done that of course, with a stint there and being very successful and Rosa never had that opportunity. So I think I texted you one man's, uh, one man's actual job was another young boy's dream. Um, <laughs> and that's kind of how that's kind of netted out with Rosa never really getting to that level, um, and of course, you know, you mentioned RB Leipzig with with youngsters and, and kind of recruiting and building a younger squad. No perfect, no better example of that than than uh, Borussia Dortmund as well, who who continue to churn out results. I say that loosely because they did not look good again going down 2-0 first. And this is a threat, a trend for them. Uh, but they do get four unanswered to win this one 4-2. But again, just not really that great a performance from Edin Terzic's men. Uh, but they do get the result in the end and they stay fourth. But I would think a, a distant fourth from, from my perspective. Couldn't agree more. Gladbach are not a good team. They are just not a good team. And this was an opportunity for them to make a statement. Now they did make a statement in their own way, going down two nil early and, you know, scoring four unanswered goals that shows character. Um, but you got to stop shooting yourselves in the foot and Terzik's man, not man management, but decisions over certain players on the team is very interesting. And we, we've seen the new signings that they've signed to Mitra, Basabaini, all these guys have not exactly hit the ground running. So if you're going to shell out money, for new signings, then you you gotta you gotta you know make them play well. So I do have a quick funny story. Um, you did mention I thought you made an excellent point when it comes to feeling the pressure when Byron's kind of snap at your heels. And and uh, my my girlfriend's brother, who's a listener of the show, shout out Jack. He got a Dortmund jersey for his birthday, um, which was over Thanksgiving. And he shows me the yellow jersey, and I was like, "Oh, what you got there?" And he just turns to me and he goes, "Oh, this was the uh, this is the jersey that Dortmund lost the title in." And I couldn't help but just start crying, laughing, because how he said you could just hear the pain in his voice. Um, so I did want to mention. I thought that was an excellent point by you. Um, but yeah, I got really nothing else on Dortmund other than they need the their new signings to kind of step it up a little bit, and they just gotta be a little bit better at the back. Yeah, and of course, you know, another team that feeling that's feeling that pressure and, and continues to be put under pressure is in, in La Liga, which um, you know, Girona plays on Monday. So we'll we'll keep you posted on that on the Twitter, um, which you, of course you can follow us on X at full time roundup. We'll we'll get everything covered there. Of course, um, we'll also have our uh, players of the week listed there later. And then of course on Thursday we'll have our preview show. So be prepared for that. And again, please follow us over there and interact with us. But yeah, Daniel, um, Girona continues to stay, although they do drop as, as Real Madrid win today and jump them 3-0 win, and they looked very, very impressive. And, of course, um, Rodrigo comes in and, and plays unexpectedly. Didn't have you know full fitness. You could see him come off in, in about the 65th minute and, and put an ice pack um, right on that knee. And, and, of course, gets two goals, though, and, and Jude Bellingham. What else can you say? You know, plays again and gets say? another one. Just gets another one when he comes on. So uh, an interesting race in in, in La Liga right now. And I think, you know, Barca dropping points um, to Rio Vericano. And, and, and you know, it's to me, it's really going to be um, almost how long can Girona hang on? And then, of course, we've talked about it before, Atleti right behind the, behind that, those two. And can they make up the ground with the game in hand? Yeah, we mentioned the, the you mentioned Rodrigo not being at full health. We, we mentioned before Vinicius Jr. is out for a few months um, through injury. So, 
little bit of a, I mean, Real Madrid already lacked depth at the attacking position, and Vinny Jr. being out for extended period again is not going to help that. Um, and they got to have Rodrigo stay healthy. Jose Lu needs to step up here, and then they might have an academy kid or two kind of burst onto the scene. We'll see if, um, if that happens and that goes well. Madrid do not have a great history at promoting um, their their second team. Uh, I think it's Castilla. Um, but we'll see. I think this La Liga um, race is is wide open, um, completely wide open, especially with the injuries uh, that Madrid have been handed. But this was a great time for Barca to, to kind of get three points and start kind of getting on their a roll again, I guess you could say, as everyone's getting back to health. We, we did mention before Gavi is out for the rest of the season, so that's a, that's a big dagger, but Frankie de Jong and Pedri are back, which which will help with that. So Xavi's got a, a lot on this plate. I'm sure he's feeling the pressure. Um, Deco and, and Co. issued out, hey, this is our guy. We want him to stay. He is going to keep winning for us, but uh, we'll see if uh, that actually turns true if uh, a couple more results don't go their way. Yeah, we've already heard some rumors and some rumblings um, from you know Barca fans that you know, they want Xavi out after the Champions League a couple weeks ago, and then, of course you know the pressure is immense. Not to I think pressure seems to be our, our word of the episode today, but uh, it continues to be immense on on him and the squad. And you mentioned you know the the issues with Gavi, who's down now for the rest of the season, but some players coming back. I think it's going to be an interesting time and. We've talked about this before on the pod, Daniel. They cannot continue to drop points, and um, they continue to drop points. So it's a it's a really interesting dynamic to see what happens here. And of course, like I mentioned, Atleti, you know, right behind them. Of course, Antoine Griezmann getting the the winner in that one against Mallorca. They really should have won this match more than one nil. To be honest, they were all over Mallorca, uh, and, and kind of just couldn't put the ball in the back of the net. But Griezmann with a great header um, and, and kind of, you know, one of those world-class finishes that only so few can do. And and they sit, you know, third place tied with Barca right now on points. And of course, they play each other on Saturday, which will be a huge, huge fixture. Um, but they have a game in hand and, and they're only, you know, three points back from top right now. So uh, keep an eye out for Atleti. They're, they're rolling right now. They're feeling pretty good. Um, it's going to be, like you said, an interesting race in, in La Liga for, for top four, for the title. Um, a lot to be you know unpacked there. I don't think that that race is is decided by any stretch of the imagination. And, and you know another race that we thought was kind of starting to distance itself, but um, was in Syria A with with Inter. And of course they play Juve today, and they get a, a Juve saves themselves essentially and keeps them in the in the race by you know getting the draw here, splitting the points. Of course. Interest at two points atop the table now over Juve, and and look out behind AC Milan get a, a big win um, this this weekend and draw within four points. But to me, Daniel, this this feels like it's really a two team race between Inter and Juve, and and of course one one goal down, uh, a draw here, and of course they'll have the reverse fixture uh, later in the season. But this this to me now feels like the two teams to to kind of look out for in, in Syria. Yeah, I, I agree and. We were kind of asking ourselves the question a few episodes ago: Who is gonna kind of trick up Inter a little bit? And it's really only been Juve. And shout out to Juve; uh, they just find a way every time. Allegri, tactical mastermind, I guess you could say. Don't doesn't play pretty football, but he knows how to get and churn out results here, and he's doing it again. And we we saw with the glorious Juventus era that was. Um, around five to seven years ago. And it seems like he's kind of recreating another style of, of that sort of team. So 
after all the the trouble that Juventus got into a few years ago with the, you know, the accounting mishaps and whatnot, and the point deductions, and the transfer bans, they've kind of turned things around and have righted the ship. And I'm I'm pretty bullish on on Juventus's future uh, from this season and and from on. But I would love to see another team in in Serie A challenge Inter a little bit and knock them off their perch and make it more like a a Liga race where it's kind of pretty wide open. Yeah, and you mentioned you know Allegri and Allegri ball. It's of course c- completely contrarian now to what is being played in Syria. Back to more of that traditional Italian style, defensive minded, where you know we've seen it become a little bit more expansive in the last couple of seasons with Spalletti and and, and you know uh, Pioli and all those different player and and, and Gasparini, Gasparini, you know, attacking minded managers now in the teams, and essentially the Italian national team is is more of an offensive minded juggernaut too going forward, um, and so that's going to be an interesting contrast in, in the years to come. But uh, you know they got Dusan Vlaovic back today, who scored and, and looked really good, and uh, Weston McKinney got in, so thankfully that wasn't too much of an injury concern after picking up a knock in the Trinidad game, the first game. Um, but yeah, to me it's going to be an interesting Serie and Don't look now, Daniel. Don't look now. Roma in fifth place. Respect. Respect. How did they do that? The special one, right? The special one is not out of this one yet, so keep an eye out for Roma. Of course, they have great talent with Dybala and Lukaku and and a whole host of guys. And um, so, you know, there's... I'm hoping for a, a really fun, exciting Serie A the rest of the way. Napoli took a, a big chunk out of my top four... Um, fourth place finisher at Atalanta today. Now they kind of separate themselves there as well. It's it's an interesting dynamic across the board in, in Italy. There is nothing better than a new manager bounce. Am I right? I mean, we saw that today. This was a really important result for Napoli, right? Because they, they fired Garcia at, uh, before the international break, hired a, like an older coach who, who coached way back in the day when they had, you know, the likes of Myra Kamzik and, and Iguain and all, all those players before um, before Maurizio Sarri took over. And, you know, they beat a very good squad in Atalanta. And I didn't know, I I, to, I guess that they'd draw here. Um, but, you know, doing a nice win, getting Kvacilia back in the mix um, without Osman, that's a, that's a pretty damn good result there. And we'll see if they can keep it up because the new manager bounce – historically only happens for the first match. So it's going to be interesting how the Champions League uh, midweek matches shake out and then, you know, going back to, to next uh, next Saturday. It will be interesting. And like you said, you know, they're, they're kind of have a bounce um, and then get that manager bounce, but it'll be interesting to see how long it goes for. Of course, you know, Usman still out. Um, how long will that be for and, and what kind of impacts are there? Um, you know, there there's, other ways to look at this, Daniel, as far as just kind of, we've talked about it with Dortmund too, the hangover effect, right? This is, you know, they they won, in this case, the opposite. They had too much of a good time after winning the league for 30 years. Um, and, and so that, you know, you kind of expected it a little bit, but um, I think they'll find some form and, and probably finish top four. Like you said, a big win against Atalanta and kind of separate themselves there. Another team that had a big win, Daniel, um, and we've talked about this team, at, you know, multiple times on the pod is, is PSG, who absolutely crushed Monaco on Friday as well to start off the week. And, and this was almost, you know, a... I wouldn't say a, a win or go home for Monaco, but it kind of felt like they had to win this one to keep in touch. And and boy, the PSG just say, you know what? Hold my beer. And they took a 5-2 thrashing to Monaco. Uh, Mbappe shined. And, and now, 
um, Nice, who, who did kind of keep things close um, with a result um, yesterday, keep things within one point. But this really has the makings of a um, afterburners. See you later, PSG. Absolutely. And I do want to shout out that ball gun, you know, doesn't really do much in international break. Goes back, scores a goal against PSG. Maybe it's not Balogun who's the problem with the national team. Maybe hmm. it's maybe it's not. Maybe it's something weird. else, which we'll say yeah. for another time. But we will, uh, we will. But we saw that with a couple players this this weekend, I, or at least I did with you know Malik Tillman and Co. So I did want to just shout that out, and I also wanted to give a shout out to Nice. Four goals conceded this year. That is. And absurds that I don't think I don't I don't know historically statistically speaking if that's a record, but it's got to be close. And especially with a team with a 39 year old Dante and a young Todibo, I think that just speaks wonders of Farioli as a manager, and he will not be at Nice for very long. Couldn't agree with you more. You give up only four goals in the league at this point, and you're doing something right. Of course, they haven't played PSG yet, so PSG may score four alone that in that game. But true. we will see what happens. And, of course, until the meantime, it's a great battle right now. Um, one point, like I said, at the top of the league. Uh, how long will that last? We'll see. Daniel, a team that um, – Want to want to switch gears a little bit and and talk about a team we've talked about some teams that had some fight or or slow starts and battling back and this team I didn't think that we would I don't think any of us really expected them to finish at where they were at some point at as low as they were but Ajax continue to make the most of what they have available to them and they get another win Daniel and they continue to move up the Eredivisie table five nil five nil too I don't. That's that. That's called a convincing one right there. And boy, did they need that! Five different goal scorers. Chuba Akpom got gets the nod. Who was the big signing um, of the offseason? Have kind of you know struggled to get started here, and he gets the nod over Brian Bobby, and he, he bags a goal. So this is what you want to see if if you're an IX fan. Um, they're trusting the youth, just different youth than they were before. And uh, I hope they kind of keep churning out results and they end up top five where they should be. Um, yeah, up to, eighth, other- up to eighth with the game in hand. So they're they're moving up. Uh, and I know you you wanted to cover some other Eredivisie teams. And, and uh, th- this is a great race that we've got going on here, which we've touched on briefly throughout the, you know, the, the episodes. And, and if you haven't listened back, uh, please do. We cover most of these leagues as much as we can in, in depth. Each week kind of gets a little bit more of attention than each um, each other. So um, feel free to, to listen back to some of our other episodes to hear more on Air Divisi. But again, um, I know that you were you were high on PSV and Firenoid um, this weekend as well as you as you've been all season. Yeah, speaking of another striker who doesn't play as well with their national team, Santiago Jimenez bags a hat trick. So that's really all you need to say about that. And then PSV continue to, you know, separate themselves from everyone else. And it's looking like that's a nailed on um, win of the title. I know it's early and there's a lot of hectic schedules coming out, but PSV just look just another beast in the air divise. Yeah, the big takeaway for me from this one before we had to break and, and we'll cover uh, players of the week and, and young players of the week on the back side of that break. But to me, the biggest thing and, and one of the biggest stories coming at international break, Daniel, was, of course, Serginho Dest and his and his um, 
I don't even know how to describe it. His incident um, against Trinidad, and of course he gets the start today, which was surprising to me. Um, you would have thought maybe, you know, I don't know if Greg would have had any involvement here, but maybe try and give the youngster, and, and it's hard to say he's a youngster at this point, 23, played at some of the biggest clubs in the world. Um, and again, we we don't want to talk too much about this. This could go an entire episode of just this kind of conversation about what what transpired against Trinidad and, and everything and uh, Serginho being part of that. But it was surprising to me that he he did get the start today. Um, but, you know, again, when you're when you're top of the table and um, you have a little bit of wiggle room, I guess maybe the manager felt more comfortable taking him on and, and playing him. But um, it wasn't interesting. And you mentioned PSV kind of running away with the the league a little bit. But uh, it should be should be good, good battles all the way through. But uh, like I said, we cover a lot of games here, a lot of score lines, a lot of uh, different leagues. We, we do want to take a quick break. On the other side of the break, we'll take a quick dive into our players of the week, as we always do, which, of course, we'd love to hear from you guys and be involved with it, telling us whether you enjoyed them, who you thought we've missed. You can interact with us on X at Full Time Roundup. We'll post all those there as well. You can also directly interact with Daniel at Liverpool CLTFC, where you can interact with me at Life of Gesslin on X. Like I said, we'll be right back after a quick break and we will give you our players of the week and the young players of the week and welcome back folks uh to another starting 11 of the week daniel i think i speak for both of us this is one of my favorite segments that we do again there's so many so many games so much talent on display and you and i try and decipher who are the best players and create a starting 11 week in week out i know we don't get it right all the time I know we don't find all the hidden gems, and we'd love to hear from the listeners to see if we miss some players. But again, this is a starting eleven that Daniel and I put together. Together, um, so we, you know, there are teams and players that we could have put in here, but sometimes we we use those as players of the weeks or young player of the week. Um, our formation is a three-four-three with three defenders, four midfielders, three forwards to try and maximize goals, assists. But again, some of those some players do not have that, and they're just such influential players in the game that we feel like we want to include them. So without further ado, Daniel, please take us through goalie and defense. All right. So thank you, Matt. And so for the goalie, we have Herdecki, um, Bayern Leverkusen's keeper, kept a clean sheet. He's been fantastic this season. Um, usually he's prone for an error, but he's really bounced back this season and has been one of the keys to, you know, for, for their title charge, basically. For, for defenders, we have Grimaldo. I've kind of waxed lyrical about him, but another goal. Um, uh, L- uh, Jamal Lascelles for Newcastle. Big goal against Chelsea. Kind of was on the outs at, at Newcastle not too long ago, um, and he's kind of fought first place and is one of the better players on Newcastle, so good for him for getting a goal um, in a big fixture. And then Pa Torres. Um, you know, Emery liked him so much at Villarreal, he brought him over to Aston Villa, and he's kind of hit the ground running. So he was an absolute um, fantastic display against against Tottenham there. Uh, for the midfielders and strikers, that's all you, Matt. Yeah, first midfielder out of the gate was Isco for me. For Real Betis, he absolutely just dis- completely controlled this match. Um, also sort of got an assist. Uh, the goalies made the save on his on his first shot, and it deflects back and then the the, the the game winner gets off of that deflection, but again, he just absolutely dominated dominated this match. 
um, looks to be like the old Isco from from Real Madrid days, and um, it's great to see him continue to keep his his career going. Uh, next midfielder is Joe Ellington. Uh, he got a goal as well in this Newcastle versus Chelsea match. Hard for me to say, even though um, it was the case. But uh, yep, one more <laughs> goal for him. Uh, one of the teams that we did not touch on in this episode, but this is the beautiful thing about this segment, uh, is uh, you know there's players everywhere. Uh, Tabernier from Bournemouth. Um, who got a huge win um, this weekend against Sheffield United. They He gets two goals in their 3-1 win. Um, and again, they get some separation from the bottom. So that was a huge win for them. And he was a huge part of that. And of course, the last midfielder, Marcel Sabitzer from Dortmund, who got a goal, the first opening goal for that team in their four four unanswered. So he was essential in the midfield there, kind of moving the ball around and of course, adds the goal to his tally. And you just wonder, if you're a Manchester United fan, why we let this guy go um, so easily the way we did. But uh, I digress. Up front, two goals from Rodrigo, who we talked about coming in, not fully healthy, still puts in a, a beautiful performance in Real Madrid, get three big points against Cadiz, and he gets the first two in that one. Uh, Jao Pedro comes off the bench for Brighton and gets two goals in his game as well um, against, uh, oh, excuse me, I'm going to forget who they put. Nottingham oh, Forest. Forest. Nottingham Forest, thank you. Um, and then Barati as well got two goals in his match as well. So all in all, you got some goals here, Daniel. Um, you got some good players that I think some of them are on the list for the first time. Um, we may have some repeats here in the next two segments, but um, a new starting 11 this week, I think, which was always exciting to see. And like I said, just shows and showcases how many players are falling out week in week out but moving down to our players of the week um i'm gonna let you speak here because this is just how can you not have this guy on your player of the week given what he did a debut for player of the week drum roll please jose morales 36 years old hat trick for villarreal i mean to be scoring a goal at 36 is impressive but to score a hat trick and to kind of carry your team to victory there when when they needed it most that's that's a huge celebration and a huge cause for for player of the week my player of the week i've talked about him almost every episode just cannot speak high enough this man antoine griezmann who carried atleti to get the three points and of course got the game winner but was just instrumental throughout the game dominating and just kind of being the the, the playmaker that he is um and and what else can you say about him for young player of the week i also have a repeat player here the guy comes back in, all he does is score a goal. Jude Bellingham put the captain cape on and just take them home. Of course, it wasn't necessarily needed in this one, but he still looked great throughout after coming in off an injury for his shoulder, which didn't look to bother him today. And then, of course, at 20 years old, gets another goal. 14 goals in 15 games in La Liga, um, you know, or in all competitions. Can't really knock him for that. Uh, and Daniel, a, a newbie as well, entry for you on this list. I, I haven't seen this guy before, but I know you've been very high on him, and, and rightfully so. Jamie Bano Gittens, Dortmund winger, um, came from City's Academy uh, last year and kind of hit the ground running. And uh, Terzic kind of struggled to get the best out of him as of late, but he responded in a big way when they needed him most with a goal and assist um, to kind of carry Dortmund to their win against Gladbach. And this is a player that I hope to see on this list more often because I think he's a fantastic player. So Terzic, play the man, get the best out of him, and uh, go ahead and sell him for $75 million to Bayern in two years. That last part is probably truer than anyone can think of, uh, so that probably will happen soon. But uh, a great another 
players of the week, young player of the week. Again, please interact with us on X at Full Time Roundup. Let us know who we missed. If there's anyone that you know we should have removed or added here, we'd love to hear from you guys. We'll we'll try and put this out um, to the call to get you guys to give us your list ahead of time. Um, and if not, we'll we'll at least recap and let us let you know on on X who we put for this week. Quick reminder, there, of course, are games on Monday. We're recording this on Sunday. Um, so Wolves in, in the Premier League take on Fulham. And we mentioned it earlier in the episode that Girona, who are atop the table in League, uh, no, excuse me, La Liga, um, are taking on Athletic Club on Monday. Um, so no, there are a couple games to watch on Monday. Additionally, this is the recap show, so we don't necessarily have a betting segment. That'll come on Thursday as part of our prediction show for you, although there are midweek Champions League games. Um, Daniel and I couldn't find any games that we both really liked on that one. So um, rather than giving you guys some some poor bets that could go the, the wrong way, we wanted to scrap that and keep keep some betting off this episode, but we'll have, again, like I said, for you, a full slate of Daniel's best bets on Thursday as part of the preview show. But um, there were some bets that he gave you guys going into this weekend and uh, wants to give you a quick recap of how those went as well as overall how he's been doing this season. Thank you, Matt. And uh, he did mention, you know, I didn't love the UCL slate. Um, just one to look at just off the record would be the Feyenoord Athletic Madrid over. Um, at like two and a half, three. That's really the only one. I think it's kind of weird now that some teams are qualified. There could be some rotation, so it's really hard to tell and get a feel for the game until the lineups come out. And I just uh, don't think I'll have the time to kind of tweet out those plays, you know, in advance. So just want to give you one play if you're really fixing for something um, to have money on for the Champions League slate. But I will recap um, for the most part this this weekend here. So the parlay. Uh, I'll just go over it. Liverpool plus a half point. Leverkusen money line. Athletic Madrid money line. Bayern money line. That cash is at four to one ish. Probably got a little bit better than four to one, but just for the sake of rounding, I'll just say four. So that's plus four units right there. Um, over three and a half. PSG Monaco was the easiest cash with seven goals. Um, Bayern unfortunately cannot get that second to push at Bayern minus two. Um, pretty disgusting there. And then over three and a half for Leverkusen, Vader Bremen. Um, you know, Leverkusen did their part with three goals. We just need uh, Vader Bremen to kind of do their part. And they did hit the crossbar and hit the post in the last 20 minutes. So that was kind of a painful moment for me. And then over three and a half for Dortmund and Gladbach. That sailed over with six goals. And then the last one that I did not reveal on Twitter, but I'll reveal for those who are listening before three o'clock on um, Monday, last play over three for Athletic Club Girona. I think this soars over. So go ahead and get that in if you did not see that on Twitter um, or you did not write that down in the last pod. Well, Matt, it's been an absolute pleasure. I know we both had busy weeks, um, so I'm glad we got to kind of record. We did record a little early. I know you'll be traveling this week, so best of luck on your travels. Um, you know, As always, feel free to interact with us on x like matt says please like rate the podcast you know follow us on twitter at full-time roundup and if not even for player of the week or x out of the week if you just want to kind of debate a topic or your favorite team's not doing as well as you want it to be and you kind of want to hear kind of go back and forth feel free to just add us and and we'll definitely respond to you there and as always thank you for listening and uh hope you guys have a great rest of your week